Um, so usually uh, we preach about practice, um, but tonight we want to talk about practice. Um, I'm going to say that again. Usually we preach on it, but tonight we want to talk on it here behind me. And we're going to do kind of like, you know, kind of like, like the first service, telling them who you are and stuff. Uh, here's the thing. We're not all professional Christians, right? There's no such thing as professional Christians. There's just honest Christians. And there's Christians that really want to grow. And um, the thing is, when you want to grow, there's some stuff you got to give up. When you want to grow, there's some things you got to give into. And um, there has to be a lifestyle change. Uh, we said last service, listen, Christianity doesn't work until you work. So that's why we're doing practice. So I'm not going to preach. I'm preaching next week. Um, <laughs> we have an awesome panel here. Do you guys all have mics? Can we start left to right and kind of go through kind of your name, um, fun fact, and what you do here at the church? Hey, yo. My name is Jonathan. Yeah, we do like groups. Hey, yo, my name is Jonathan. Hey, um, uh, what I do at the church, uh, I do environmentals for Sundays and Fridays and kind of. What is work. environmental? Environmental is when you, oh, this is a little plug too. Environmentals is when you walk into the church, the first thing you see. So a lot of times on Sundays, you'll see like the grass is set up and there's like this bunch of flowers and we try to make it look real pretty and nice for families to like come in and just feel at home. So environmentals is basically what the church looks like when you come in. So if you want to be a part of the greatest ministry on the human race, planet, come, and it's, it's lit. Environmental is lit. And um, a fun fact about myself, I am the baby of the family. I'm the, the youngest of three. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Can y'all make some noise for Jonathan? Awesome. Hey, guys. My name is Gabby. Hey, Gabby. Um, I hate the fun fact question because I'm not a fun person, so I really don't know. Everyone always tells me to say I'm, you're engaged, so I guess I'm engaged. Yeah. To the love of my life, Angel uh -oh. Carvalho. Uh -oh. I always wanted to do that. <laughs> Anyways, um, and I'm part of the worship ministry. All right, we got a lot of worshipers tonight. They're just the loudest. That's all it yeah. is. We're just the loudest. And yeah. And I'm just here to serve. So whatever you guys need, I'm here. Love y'all. Awesome. Next. Uh, hi, my name is Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Uh, I work with the middle schoolers doing groups for them in the service before you guys. That's where I'm usually at during the service. Uh, I also work with children's ministry on Sundays. Oh, yeah. MVP. 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 MVPs of the church are the children's ministry. I love those kids. Most about it. And then I also help my parents out with all the new converts. Everyone who goes up on a Sunday, where they go get taken to the side, I'm there helping my parents get their names, contacting them, and all that. Uh, fun fact about myself, I love soccer a lot. Uh, I rep it, I play it, I have a ball in my trunk. I'm ready to play whenever. And a portable net. I keep that Pocket size is gold. Hi guys, I'm Siomi. Hi Siomi. Fun fact, how long you been coming to church, to this church? Uh, since December. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, seven months. Um, what, what else? I oh, wanna, I'm I a usher and a greeter here. And a fun fact, my friends call me Professor X. Uh, my name is Dennis. Yeah. Hi, Dennis. Uh, what I do in this church, I do environmentals, and we kind of just decorate the house for God. 
and for all of us to just enjoy the beauty of what church really is. Um, I also do altar ministry. I, wh- I heard a whisper. Um, I do altar ministry, uh, and I sit in panels when they tell me to. Um, oh. It's a ghost. Amen. Amen. And it's a, a ghost. A fun fact about me. Uh, um, I don't really know what to say, so I'm going to say the same thing I said last time. I'm a father uh, to a two-month-year-old son. I saw somebody's eyes open over there. <laughs> um, it's a cat. His name it's is Simba. <laughs> it's a cat, guys. Her heart just dropped immediately. See, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a father to a two-month-year-old cat. His name is Simba. I was looking out. I was looking for some girls. They're like, dang. <laughs> I knew that was a dad hat. It's a cat. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, that was not a roast, all right? This is my buddy. Why you guys got to take it there? I got a cat. Let's go. Let's go. I I got a cat. Hey. (laughs) That's it, I finished. Oh, yes, I don't have a real child, so. It's a cat. Awesome, awesome. Man, who's ready to have fun tonight? Who's ready to have fun? So, um, can we put up the number, and let's keep the number up all night. So, this is a text-free number. Um, if you guys have any questions throughout any of the conversations we're going to have tonight, we're going to encourage you to just text that number, your question. What's going to happen is at the very end, we're going to be going through the questions that you guys actually asked us. Um, and let's try to just keep it around the box of kind of around the, the topics that we're going to be talking about today. Um, so yeah, we want to be, uh, we want to have an engagement, you know, between here to there. So here's the, uh, the number and just, just write, write your numbers out. Write your questions out, and um, and yeah, let's begin. So that number is gonna stay up there for as long as humanly possible, and we just bounce back. But for a second, let's just throw up Philippians. So, so that's the number we're gonna pull up Philippians, and um, this specific passage of verses um, is actually the, the premises of the sermon series. So if you're here tonight and you're like, what sermon series? Um, so for for the past four to five weeks, we've been talking about on Friday nights of kind of this idea of practice, all right? That's kind of that video you kind of saw, like people getting ready to work out and get ready to play basketball, getting ready to wrestle. So, so we, we, we're talking about practice and more of the practice that has to do in the Christian walk with God. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we said something like, passion for God without practice is just hype, right? So we're, we're literally taking these next four weeks just to talk about practice and what does that look like in the life of a believer Um, Because we believe that passion is awesome, but practice is something that's going to excel you in in your life spiritually. And we also said last week that if this is only going to be the best year of your life, if this is the best year of your life spiritually. That's just the bottom line. Um, So this is kind of the verse we've like, the premises of the sermon series. So this basically just sums up all these weeks together. We're going to jump into some questions. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure... Whatever is lovely, that's my girlfriend, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or or received or heard from me or seen in me, what I want you to do is put it into practice. I love verse 9, but whatever you have learned, how many guys feel like you learn on Friday sometimes? Whatever you receive, who be received? I'm receiving right now. Hold up, somebody. You ever received something at church before? Like, man, I, re- I caught something. Like, whatever you learned, whatever you see, whatever you heard, whatever you've seen in me, I love this. 
Put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice. Take what you've heard. Take what you've received, what you heard, what you've seen, and put it into practice. Question number one. So passion and practice are essential in the life of a believer. What happens when you separate the two? So what happens? This may be you. This may happen to you. This may be you now. Or this may happen, happen to you in the future. Um, when, when you separate passion and practice, what that looks like in the regular world. When you, when you separate passion and practice. So someone who loves to go to the games, but someone who doesn't like to practice throughout the week. Right? So that's, that's all passion with no practice. And then you have the people that are, I, I, I used to be this person for a long time. I was a practice player. I only played good in practice, but I sucked in the games. Right? <laughs> Benzing. So, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about for these next couple moments. What's it what's, what's what's look like in life to just have practice and no passion? And then flip it, what does it look like to just have passion and no practice? What happens when you separate the two in the life of a believer? That's the question number one. So anybody want to jump into that? What happens when you kind of separate the two? I just feel like um, when you do that, when you have either passion and no practice or practice and no passion, you're being a bad testimony to either one or the other side. For example, if you got all passion and no practice, then you're uh, not so good of a testimony to the people who aren't saved. Right? So the people who you're around, when uh, the ones that kind of influence you to not do good, when you have a lot of passion, that means when you come to church, you're so passionate, you love it, oh, oh God. Uh. When you go home and you go to your friends, you're not as good when it comes to that because your passion kind of kind of try to hide it. So to those people, you're kind of a little hypocrite. They see you on Instagram, blasting church, but then they see you at home or at school and it's not the same. And then when you flip it and you're a man of practice but not a man of passion, uh, a lot of people in the church that are Christians, they love Jesus and they know so much of the Bible, but people that don't have a lot of passion, they come off a little rude or a little mean sometimes. A lot of times somebody would come up to them and tell them something or they find something out and they'd be real harsh on them and say, oh, well, you're not supposed to do that because the Bible says da 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 and this, this, and that, and this, this, and that, but they, they have no passion. So you're either a, you give a bad look to one side or the other. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing like with passion. Yeah. If I came out here and I had all this passion, and I go out to my friends, how am I supposed to talk about Jesus? Yeah. yeah. I have no practice. So I, th I think most of us, we end up on that just passion side. Yeah. Right? The people that, that, that have most of the practice good, they've been in church all their lives, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the rules. You know what, to, what the Bible is. You know what prayer kind of sounds like. You know what I mean? You know what worship really is. You know what loving people really looks like. So you got the practice down, and then it's the passion part that I feel like you're missing out on. But that's where people who kind of been in church all their lives. If that's you, that's me sometimes. If that's you, just shoot your hand up. If that's ever been you before, awesome. You feel the proud. But then, then you have the flip it. Then you have the people that, that got all this passion and then no practice. Well, for someone who's been in church my whole life, I was actually the opposite. I was all passion, no practice. Mm. So because I'm a worshiper, I just always fell in love with his presence, always fell in love with who he was. Um, people were just the ministry, like I loved it. But I was missing the day-to-day -day practice, the day-to-day -day relationship. And it became all about hype and no, not living it through. So I found myself um, just kind of like, at some point just drifting away. Cause if you're not having a relationship, what are you really doing, you know? I love that, I love that. You eventually drift. Yeah. It's, it's just, inevitable. Yeah. If you got passion in here and you're not taking the God of this yeah. room into into your house, 
you will probably not be here for too long. Because what it turns into, it, it turns into a blind date. Yeah. Right? So some, somebody you're supposed to be knowing for a long time because you've been coming, you still don't know their last name. Okay. You still don't know God's favorite color. You still don't know what, what he really wants to do in your life because it's, it's just a Friday moment. And it's, it's really surface level stuff. I love that. It will eventually fade. That's so good. Anybody else want to piggyback on that? Um, real quick, I love how in the verse it says, if you put it into practice, then the God of peace will be with you. And um, there's a story in the Bible of a man who built his house on sand and a man who built his house on a rock. The Bible says that whenever the wind and the storms came, the house on sand just fell. It just, nothing. It wasn't even a house no more. But then the Bible speaks about the man who built his house on a rock. And he says that the winds came and the storms came. And the house was shaken and a couple of the doors were probably knocked down a little bit, a little bit of the windows on. But at the end of the storm, the house was still intact. The house was still livable. So because you put practice in your life, doesn't mean you're gonna have it all perfect, but it means you'll still be intact. So yeah. God can still live inside of you. That's good. So if you separate it, you're a yeah. house built on sand, and like they say, you will drift away. Yeah. But if you build your house on a rock and you put it into practice, so good. you will last forevermore. That's so good. Awesome. We're just gonna jump to the next verse. <clears throat> Man, this verse, check this out, y'all. Like, for anybody who just wants to be better at, at life. James 5.16 has been the verse that has really marked me in my life because it's like practice shouldn't be done alone. Like the biggest tragedy I see in Christians is when they're lonely. Like we're going to cry. Like listen, crying is going to happen in life. But let's cry together. Listen, sin's going to happen, but let's talk about it. Right? You're going to slip and fall, but who's going to be there to pick you up? Like... So the biggest, and, and if you guys don't get anything else from tonight, get this. Listen, church isn't for you to be by yourself. God wants you to do life. It's the reason we gather with hundreds of people every Friday. It's not, you know, just to feel body heated people next to me. It's because God placed us here for a reason to lift each other up. So this verse changed me. James 5, 16. I love it. It says, therefore, James 5, 16 says, therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So, so don't just confess, but pray with them. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to just keep it there. Don't just confess because it's, you're not the Christian Dr. Phil. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're going to talk about it, then we're going to pray about it. Yeah. So for what? what what's going to happen? So that you may be healed. Man, there's some healing we need in our lives sometimes, right? Does anybody in here need to get healed from in some areas? Just a few, the proud, the honest, right? And I love it. It says, confess it with someone else. Talk about it. Put some light around it. Pray about it. And I love this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So the question I'm kind of going to build from that, just still tying into practice, is, what are good ways to practice with others? And secondly, is that even important? So what are some good ways to practice with one another? And then is that even important? Let's open up to anybody who wants to start off. Go ahead, Siomi. I'm going to say the same thing. Um, I think it is very important. Um, like you, you said before, that Christianity is not meant to do it alone. You, it's, it's impossible. Um, and one thing or a way that you can, um, what? 
um, practice is with each other, have a group um, of people to help you. Um, for example, I have a group of girls, like three girls, that um, we got together and one of us had um, a sickness, so we all decided to fast with each other and pray over that sickness and um, we found each other like weekly um, during the week texting each other, hey, I'm struggling with this or hey, I'm, I'm, I had this today or pray for this, pray for me with this or help me with that and it's been amazing how God can use just, you know, the people around you to build you up and instead of destroying you, they're building you up and it's, yeah. I feel like it's, it's, it's what are good ways to uh, practice with others? Doing soaps. You know what I'm saying? I have a group of people that I do soaps with. Like, every day we're on it. Like, we even have this little group chat. And every morning, one of us posts, like, a screenshot of the MBY post of what verses to read that day. And even when, like, sometimes I'll forget to do my soap. And then somebody will text me, like, yo, we just, did our, we just did our soaps. Like, what did you get from it? And I'm like, dang, I didn't do my soaps yet. I ain't got to get on it. So it, that's a good way. Do your soaps with people. Why is it important? It's so important. Let me tell you why. And the Bible says, when two or three are gathered, I'm there. Yeah. And it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is saying, when, when two people that believe in me are together and they're in it and they're on it, I'm there. And there's a lot of times I do my soaps by myself and I, and I get some, you know, some couple things. I'm like, wow, that was good. That was good. But it's something when I do it with someone next to me and we're all doing it together. We're like, yo, did you catch that? During, while you was reading, like, there's times that we do, like, little popcorn reading. Like, you read verse two, I read verse three, and we just on it. And they'll read it. And while they're reading, we just have to stop. Like, yo, yo stop reading. You heard what they just said? Hold on. Let me write that down. That's good. That's good. Let's write that down. Let's write that down. And then we just go on it. But the thing is, I feel like it's not because, number one, if I'm by myself and I get these little things, I'm like, okay, that was a good message. That was cool. But when you're just around other people, you're all hearing for different things. So you'll hear this, but somebody else will be like, yo, but did you catch this? And did you catch that? And you could really dive into the word way better when you're with a group of people. It's just easier in numbers to do that because God is there, like the Bible says. So, Do, do you feel like most of that strength comes from, like, just being desperate for it? Because sometimes we don't have strength to like, be with people. Yeah. Or like, just the, uh, like I don't want to, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh my God. So do you think it's like, just the, the desperation for it? Yeah, I feel like number one, if you're doing it with people, and that's what makes it kind of difficult now because when you're doing it with people, you can't slip up. You have to get reminded to do it every day. And sometimes you guys might meet up to do it. So like, yeah, you do need strength to go out of your way to do your soaps with your people, if, whether it's FaceTime, whether it's you guys doing it all together. You need the strength and you need to be desperate to do these things. And if you're lacking that desperation, then yeah. that's what passion comes I love from. it. There's a young couple in our, our middle school, high school service. This is the cutest thing. Uh, they legit FaceTimed each other for the first 15. You guys remember last week we did the first 15? Uh, so we started some just the first 15 minutes of my day goes to God. Five minutes of what? Prayer. Word. Five minutes of worship. Five minutes of prayer. So all that together, it's the first 15. And um, we're believing. God said, and I believe it's the fifth, right? The fifth? This Monday, God's going to do something in somebody's life. I can't wait for the testimonies. But So the first 15, I, there's a couple, the cutest thing. Oh, well, the seniors are grown, but I think it's cute, whatever. Um, they do they do the first 15 together through FaceTime. So they they word they do the word together. They do the worship together and then they pray together. And I just think that's the most beautiful thing. Just getting together with somebody um, and putting this thing into practice together. 
Because the crazy thing is, is that you need desperation for it. You know what I mean? I love this sermon series because you know what it does? It puts people on the left and it puts people on the right. Yeah. Who really wants their life to be changed? Yep. Who really wants to know God desperately? Who really wants the word to change their life? Like who wants to put the drugs down? Like to put the porn down? Like who really wants it? And it's going to separate. You know what I mean? And I love when churches get moving. Oh, man, that's awesome. Hebrews 4.12. We can throw it up. Uh, Hebrews says, for the word of the Lord, the word of God is alive, has a heartbeat. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit joined to marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Some of you guys are like, man, the Bible's sharp. It's, it plays no games. You know what I mean? One thing you got to understand is that, you know, Jesus came into the world. He's like, listen, I'm the completion of the law. I didn't come to abolish it. So whenever you read the Bible and it cuts you up, see it in the light of Jesus that he wants to do something with that. He doesn't just want to cut you. He wants to build you. He wants to cut you to build something else. I think that's awesome. So the question here is, how important is it to practice the word of God? How important is it to to practice the word, to open up the Bible. Can I have a life journal real quick? Thank you, Shelly. How important is it to, so this is a life journal, and um, in this thing is when we do soaps. So some of you guys are like, what the heck is a soap? These people are dirty. So you see right here, I don't know if you can see, but you see the S-O-A-P? The acronyms of scripture, observation, application, prayer. So we pick our favorite verse from today's reading, we write the scripture, we observe it, we apply it, and then we write our prayer down. So this is practicing. This is what practicing the word looks like for our church. It looks like life journals. It looks like opening up the Bible and, oh, thank you. It looks like opening up the Bible and seeing what God wants to do through you, right? The soaps is, okay, you observe it, but man, there's a lot of Christians, they just observe a lot of things, but they don't apply a lot of things. Right? Like, we observe. Like, you could observe a system, but when you apply the system, it changes your life. So this is what it looks like to practice right there. How's it, how important is it to practice the word? And to practice. Thank you, Shelly. You're awesome. And you bought a sticker. Watch out. There's a CPU in heaven. How important is it? How important is it to practice the word? Um, it's very important. I mean, that's obvious, but... Practicing the word not only helps you, but it impacts everyone around you. And you never fully realize that until you stop. And so I do middle school. And most of these kids, when I first met them, they were quiet. They didn't talk to anybody. They barely spoke a word about Jesus to anybody. And I, and I poured into them, and I gave them my all, and, and I've seen them grow but in that time, I started struggling, and I started falling away, and I stopped practicing. And in my time of need, the very kids that started off not talking about God were the very same people who sought after me wow. to pray for me, to figure out what was going on with me, to bring me back here. My practice showed them who Jesus was. And, and I've always heard the most, sometimes the most people will ever see of Jesus is you. And those kids saw it in me and when I stopped seeing Jesus they showed me who he was again 
So it's very important to practice word because you just don't know who you're reaching. No, um, that's really good. Um, I think another reason why it's important to practice the word is because, like Jonathan was saying earlier, so true, you know, the enemy tries to distort the image you have of yourself, and he tries to say you're never going to make it, you're not good enough, look at where you're at, and I'm going to keep you there. But when you read the word, it's so beautiful, you're reminded of the thoughts God has for you, and you're reminded of, no, like, there's a purpose, you know, like, you said this, but he formed me when I was in the womb, you know, like, you have plans that are bigger than I can imagine, and when you apply the word, it makes you stronger, it makes you, you know, more, more thick, thicker skin, you know, you don't let little things that people say or what they try to plant in your mind get to you, you know, you, you overcome those things. Without the word, we're, we're going to be, like you said, a house of sand, flimsy, and yeah, and yeah so. I also feel like the whole double-edged sword thing, a lot of people are scared to start, like, reading the Bible because they're like, man, I don't want to feel convicted for what I'm doing, or I don't want to feel any type of way. And um, earlier this week, if y'all been doing y'all soaps, y'all know that there was a part where um, I think it was in Solomon that he was talking about the wise man and the fool. And he says, like, the fool talks before he speaks, and the wise man is slow to speak. The fool, da-da-da, and the wise man, da-da-da, and the fool and the wise, and the fool and the wise. And there were so many things that he said about the fool that related with me. And as I was reading, I was like, oh, my God, God is calling me a fool. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. But when I put it into practice, why is it so important? When you put it into practice, you stop yourself from looking like a fool. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it slices you, but it also sharpens you. Yeah. It, you know I'm saying like, so a lot of times I read the Bible and, and we do our soaps. I'm like, man. The person that he's talking about, like the temptress, I'm the temptress. Like, yeah. I'm the bad one. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when you put it into practice, you make yourself stop looking like a fool. Yeah. It's cool. You know, it's, it's why passion and practice have to come together. Because some of us could take this and run with it in the negative aspect and just try to work, 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 work it out. And the thing is, you got to have passion with practice. Because without passion and it's just practice, then that's religion. And that goes, I, we said this last service, some of the people, the meanest people I've ever met know the Bible. Some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life know the Bible. I know some awesome people that love Jesus but have terrible, like, people skills. I know really, I know people who love Jesus but they're the worst gossipers. Like, it's, and I think that's what happens when you have the practice with no passion. Like, don't just love God, but love people. Like, finish the verse out. God, what's, what's the, the biggest commandment? Jesus said, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and strength. Like, awesome. He almost left. He's like, wait a minute, homeboy. And also love your neighbor as you love yourself. We love ourselves a lot. Your Instagram is proof. Now just take yourself and just substitute it with people. That's, I think that's what the verse was kind of going towards. I got a question for you guys. All right? It's going to get a little personal. All right? It's going to get a little deep. What have been some of the biggest distractions in your walk with God, and how did you battle them? The biggest distractions in your walk with God, and how have you dealt with them? How have you battled with them? Are you still battling? Are you defeated? Let's talk about this. Are you guys having a good time tonight? MBYA, you in here? 
All right. What's some of the biggest distractions in your walk with God and how have you dealt with them? I'll talk about one of my biggest distractions. Um, so God's been humbling me this last month. Um, and I'm at the point where I've just been defeated in this area of my life. And um, it's my cell phone. So legit, like I, I have a broken cell phone. I've had a broken cell phone for like eight whole days now. And I haven't done anything about it because I'm defeated. <laughs> I'm going to just vent. T-Mobile, they sent me a bad phone twice. <laughs> Don't go to T-Mobile. If you have it, we're praying for you. So, so, so this is how it works. So this is how it works, right? You got to order a phone. You wait for it. You get it, right? And then you find out it's bad. So now you got to wait to order it back. They send you a new one. You get it. And then the second one was bad, too. So that pro I'm, I'm defeated. I'm defeated. <laughs> I've been texting through my laptop. But you know what? I have so much free time. I have so much time I'm not listening to music. Like, I'm not on my cell phone. Like, randomly when there's Wi-Fi, I'll, like, go on Instagram on my laptop. And, like, I'm just scrolling, 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 scrolling. I'm like, this is retarded. And I close it out. It's so funny. But, yo, like, you know when something's a distraction, when it stops distracting you. I didn't know that social media and just like constant, just, you know what I mean? For, but for real, like it's, like I can be without my phone now, like for a long period of time. And I'll be okay, like I don't have to check everything. I don't have to see what's going on in the world. What's going on in my world? Like what's happening with me? How are my relationships? How's my life with my, you know, the people I love? Social media was a big distraction. And, and now that, you know, we're doing soaps like every day and we're all like really leaning in and practicing and fasting and man, I feel like my relationship with God has gotten more personal and less about me. And I really think just because I've been able to take this distraction of social media and just constantly on my phone, I think because I've been able to separate myself from it, I'm slowly separating myself from myself. Because when you're on that stuff, you're trying to put out an image of who you are. And, you know, show the best, hide the rest, right? So that's social media. But now that I've, like, kind of stepped away from it, I'm kind of working on, like, the person behind the cell phone. You know what I mean? And, like, I have more attention now on who God is to me or who I am to God. That makes sense. That's one of my biggest distractions recently. And that's kind of how I dealt with it. Anybody else? One of their biggest distractions. Um, one of my biggest distractions and situations um, is my past and my failures. Um, I don't know if you've listened to Crash the Chatterbox from Pastor Steven, but it's those little voices in your head that says, hey, remember your past. Oh, don't you remember this? Or remember you did that? Um, and those are the things I deal with, and that's my distraction because as I walk sometimes and I, I try to be you know get in the right path <laughs> you know I hear the th those voices and um, the way I've dealt with it and I'm obviously I'm still dealing with it is by doing the souls by leaning into God and um, reading the word because the word shows a light to who I am to him and it reminds me of who I am and how he looks at me and um, it just like pushes away those voices 
and I, I start to listen to his voice and not, you know, yeah. those distractions and things. Yeah. That's good. That's helpful to a lot of people. I know it is. Anybody else? It's big distractions. I would say um, this is like not, I don't think, actually, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm dealing with this still. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out in a little bit. <laughs> um, but it's something that I, I'm, I'm looking at myself and I'm overcoming it definitely, but it's been the past couple of months. Um, and I've been dealing with, you know, trying to seek God and trying to serve him at the same time. And I find myself not really serving God, but serving man. And um, a big season of my life has just, like, ended, and I'm entering a new season of my life. And I'm looking at my previous season, and I'm like, whoa, like, I don't think I served God one second in that wow. season of my life. Wow. So I'm looking at this new season of my life, and I'm like, let me stop trying to get acceptance of other people, and let me just focus on what God has for me. How do you do that? You read his word. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that would be my biggest distraction, just trying to receive acceptance from everybody. But now I'm kind of just accepting who I am and accepting others and loving on them. So good. Um, Go ahead. Uh, one thing that I kind of struggle with is, like, uh, growing up, I probably had, like, the worst crowd in, like, the history of men. And I was always around, like, the negative people. Since, like, a young age, I was just always around, like, not the best people. And um, the hardest part for me was kind of, like, separating from them. You know, when you get saved, it's so hard for you to, like, live a new life with the old people. You wow. can't live a new way if you're with the old things. And, and, and the, the biggest thing for us, or for me, like anybody who could relate, is you don't want to look like you're fake to your old friends. Like you don't want to look like you're just throwing them to the side. And, and the thing is, like a lot of my friends, they knew who I was. I did a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. And they know my past. And they see me in church. And, and I, my biggest fear was, oh, they're going to judge me. Like, oh, this kid, we know how he really is. And he's out here trying to do like little things during worship. Like, who does this guy think he is? But like just a sign of hope to y'all, like my guys know who to call when they need Jesus. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And the people that you would never see in church, if you grew up around the people I grew up, people you think, oh, that guy's never going to church. Those people text me like, hey, yo, Jonathan, I know you go to church and, and something just happened, so I need you to pray for me. Or oh, when's the service and when does this happen? And those are one of the things that I struggle with. And, and, and I always tell myself, I can't let them go. But I believe, like, it's, a lot of people say it's in every little, like, uh, romantic comedy, let him go and he'll come back to you yeah. if you really love him. And, and I really love my friends. I really love, I treat them like family. Yeah. And God allowed them to come back to me. And they still hit me up and things like that. I and not, not only that, too, just, just the day-to-day -day living. Like, a lot of us, we get saved and we think, like, oh, well, you know, God changed my life, but don't step on my Tim's. <laughs> Because it's going to get real. And that's one thing that I struggle with. Like, I, I've been growing up a certain way. And when I changed my life, I, I felt like I still demanded respect from people. Like, okay, yeah, I got saved, but don't mess with me. Like, don't play with me. But it's literally just me having to check myself and tell myself, no, who am I? Like, yeah. just check yeah. my pride. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, that was me, but this is me now. And it doesn't matter what anybody does to me. I can't react the way I used to react because I'm not that person I used to be anymore. I got to change the way I am. And that's one thing that I yeah. I heard this once. It's like your struggle would either be your prison or be your platform. So the worst thing you feel like that's going on in you right now, the thing you feel like, man, I just keep, I just keep, that'll either be your prison or it'll be your platform. And platform is what we're on now. It's what you stand up on and talk to people about how God led you through it, how God literally changed that in your life. So listen, one thing we all can agree on is that we all have struggles. All of us in this room. And listen to me. That would either be your prison or your platform. All the practice in the world, if you do not 
grow from it and see and confront it. You know what I mean? When there's an issue, you got to confront the issue. And you got the spiritual elephant in the room. So your prayers are like awkward now, right? Because there's this huge elephant in the room between you and God. Cool. I got a couple more questions. Um, man, this is something that's it's a little racy. But um, not like ethnic racy. But sorry. <laughs> How important is church attendance to you? How important is church attendance? And that sounds weird, because some of y'all think it's like school attendance, but it's not school attendance. How, how important, and I want everyone to answer this question, just to hear, you know, five different kind of realities. But man, how important is it to take God and say, God, I'm, give, I'm gonna give you my life, and and in this aspect of the weekly showing up, and God, I'm gonna give it to you, and I'm gonna, make some changes in my schedule and I'm gonna I'm gonna put some work in how important do you think is it uh you know for church attendance in the life of a believer I mean it all depends on how you define church attendance because it's one thing to come here and it's another to show up that's good because you can sit here and hear everything but you're not letting yourself be touched or open but if you come here expecting then God's gonna do something that's good so church attendance for me isn't I'm here. Church attendance for me is I'm here with everything. I'm here with my heart fully open, ready to be convicted because I know there's something I messed up in the past week and I'm ready to be healed. Church attendance is beyond important, but it all depends on the time that you're using while you're here. That's good. Why are you here? Wow. That's good. So true. But even if you do come here and you're not ready to give your all, you still belong here. That's good. And I remember coming, I don't know about y'all if you ever had this moment, but I, w I remember one Friday, and it was like way back when, and I came so defeated. Like, I was just so defeated. And I didn't even want to be there. I was like, why am I here? Like, I hate it here. Like, I was disgusted with the people who were around me. I was just like, why, God, why am I here? And I wasn't even mentally there, you know, and I wasn't with a prepared heart. I was just like, excuse my language, screw this, screw everyone. But in that moment, I literally found God. I found him in that moment. And like so many times we think we have to come ready to like, you know, be expectant and like, but we're human and we go through moments where we don't want to be here. You know, like I know sometimes you guys come, you're like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to follow you as you try to lead me into worship. Like, I'm not, I'm not with it today. But it's in those moments that you show up. You know, like, because I could have stood home. But no, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to church, whatever. I don't want to be there, but I'm going to just go anyway. And it's when you show up, even though you don't want to, that God's like, all right, I got you. Like, all right. I'm about to show up. <laughs> so, it's so it's so good. Like, I encourage you guys. I know we all go through that where we're like, man, I had a rough week. You know, like, it's just been tough, and I don't want to come, but come. I challenge you, come, because you never know the breakthrough you're going to miss out on if you don't. Wow. So. One thing my mom, I, my mom was just talking about this earlier today. She said that she was um, meeting with a parent, and the mom was telling my mom 
my kids, you know, uh, they don't want to come to church. I don't know what to do. They don't want to come to church. Like, just going off on it. And then my, my mom told, was telling us that she told the girl. She said, um, do your kids go to school every day? And she was like, uh, yeah. And she was like, okay, so they go to school every day. And, and you, is that like, can they tell you, mom, I'm not going to school today. Like, no, they can't tell me that. And so why can they say that about church? You know what I'm saying? Like, why can they say that? It, you go to school to, to build your, your, your future in this earth, but what are you doing for the afterlife? What are you doing for eternity? And, and a lot of times we say, man, I can't miss work. I can't miss my job. I can't miss school. I can't miss this event. But, you know, that's, that's earthly. Now, what can you do for the eternal now? Can, are you, are, do you think you got it all together where you could just miss a Friday? And that's kind of how I, how I think about it, too. I don't have it all together for me to not come on a Sunday or a Friday. I need that fresh anointing. I need that fresh outpour. I need that word that's not only the word I'm hearing Monday through Friday in the Bible, but I need something from someone else. Like, like when John gives those words, when Pete just gives those words, it's like a breath of fresh air. Like, ugh. I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and you get this, this new feeling. And, and I don't know about y'all, but I be having worship in my house sometimes when I'm praying. But there ain't no worship like worship on Sundays. When we be having worship on Sundays, I be out. I be out there just screaming, having a good time. And it's because, like I said, when you gather with two or more people, God is there. So church attendance to me is so important. A lot of people say, man, I'm just not a church person. I'm not just, I'm not a church person. Well, the thing is, God didn't call you to be a church as in a building person. He called you to be a church. We are the church. We are the church. So if you say you're not a church person, then I can't say that you're a Christian because that's what we are. We are the church. So it's very important for, for attendance. Number one, because you're around people that are praying for you, people that care about you. And when you come to this place, I believe that before y'all even come, we pray in this place for chains to break. So yeah, as you're walking yeah. through the doors, yeah. you don't even know it, but we've been praying for an hour for chains to break in your lives. We pray over every chair and say, God, whoever sits in this seat, I pray, God, that you break these chains. So without you even knowing it, without you don't even got to be saved. You're sitting on a seat that someone prayed for you. So there's, there's, there's an anointing in the room that you don't even know about when you walk into this place. So it's very important to me, and it just kind of helps me detach from the world when I come here. And it gives me ammo to go back and face everything that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Anybody else? That's good? Awesome. Well, we're all done with our panel. Can y'all make some noise for these wonderful, beautiful people?